Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah indeed. Today's the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. And for our sermon text, we're going to look at the gospel lesson of Luke. It was still in Luke, the 18th chapter. Um, if you looked at the, or did our daily devotion, you'll see a little bit of a different twist and a little focus than, than you had all week. But that's to keep you all guessing all the time. So, um, there's so much, in this one text, there's so much stuff for us all, especially because we get to call ourselves Pharisees, but we want to be a tax collector. And uh, even in our world today, tax collectors don't get a, get a very good um, opinion of them. But in this case, you want to be a tax collector. And, and so as we hear the gospel readings this morning and as we do our sermon, let's listen for the why. Why do I want to be a tax collector? Well, you all know you don't want to be Pharisees, right? And you all know we are indeed Pharisees most of the time. But thank God that that's why Jesus went to the cross to die for us so that we would have the gift of forgiveness and a home with him in heaven. Um, so we, as, as always, we pray that uh, as we hear God's word through the, the, the hymns and the songs we sing, through our liturgy, um, most certainly through the body and blood of Jesus and hopefully through the sermon that our faith is strengthened and empowers us to go out and to tell people about Jesus. Let's sing our opening hymn, our song, We Bow Down.
Please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are adopted as God's sons and daughters and drawn into his kingdom by means of the word and supper. We gather to receive our Savior's mercy and then respond to him in thanksgiving and praise. Because of our sins of thought, word, and action, we are unworthy of the grace we receive. Therefore, At our Lord's invitation, let us come before our Heavenly Father in humility and faith, seeking his pardon for the sake of Christ and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner.
mighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. Received into the certainty and security of his eternal kingdom, be assured that you belong to him. He is your father and you are his children. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray. Strengthen us in the certainty of the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting in your heavenly, heavenly kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Our Old Testament reading comes to us from Genesis 4, 1 to 15. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desires for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, 
My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive, and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. This is the word of the Lord. And we read together Psalm 5. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Our epistle lesson comes from 2 Timothy and following. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise. Hallelujah. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child 
shall not enter it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Reverend children, I want to come up from the children's message. I've got a special treat for you if you come up today. So you might want to run up. Wow, looks like you get it all. Have a seat. Second chance. Okay. Pick whatever you want. Well, you can look through all of it if you like. There you go. You can't have it all. <laughs> Give you a third chance. Okay. She does that much stuff. He's, he's looking through. So. It's good. You can take another one. In fact, take another one. After that, too. It's all free. Oh? <laughs> okay. For right now. So, I really needed another body up here, but this is okay. We can make this work. So, this is all free. No strings attached other than he had to come up here to get it. There are, there's crosses in there. There's candy in there. There's lots of other things in there. And it's all free. And, and that's what God does for you and me. He gives us everything freely. Now, he didn't rush up here. He missed that command. <laughs> so he may rush back. But he wants us to rush to him. And in our in our a gospel lesson today, we, we have the issue of, of a Pharisee coming up, right? This is a guy who's in the church. He probably has a gown on like me and probably has stoles like me, I'm painting a picture that he's a Pharisee like me. And, uh, and so he stands up there, and he's up there, right? And, and, and did you hear what he was saying about himself? That was pretty good, huh? Yeah. You know, he's up there telling us all the things that he's not doing. Pointing, and then he points to the tax collector. Right? And the tax collector comes, comes very, very humbly. Humbly means like he's standing in the back. Right? He's not coming forward. And he's, because he doesn't think he's worthy to get the free gifts that God gives us of forgiveness. That we just, you already just received forgiveness. You just received forgiveness. All those watching online just received forgiveness. And Jesus gives this to us freely. Well, it did cost him his life. But he did that freely for you and for me. And he, he says, come. Just like I said, come up and run. Run to him for, for safety. Run to him for security. Run to him for life everlasting. Because the gifts he gives us is, are a lot better than the gifts you just got. 
because it's everlasting life with him in heaven. And so, um, for all of you, and for you, are you, you going to go over there to Sunday school? Or are you going to stick in here? Okay. Then you listen too. Because we're going to talk about shortly about the Pharisee and the, and the tax collector and why we should be one of them and not the other one. Because one of them does something that sounds like it's okay, while the other one does something that is really okay. And then afterwards, you can all tell me what it was when you're leaving today. You too. Okay? All right, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your free gift of life, of forgiveness, and of heaven that you give to us through this faith that you give to us freely. In Jesus' name, amen. Take another one, too. We sing our hymn of the day.
Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And again, our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 18th chapter, verses 9 to 14. There are two different things that are pretty sure things. You can't control what people think of you. And when push comes to shove, does it even really matter what the world thinks of you? No doubt you, you want a good reputation. You know, God doesn't want you giving him or your church or your family a bad name by what you're doing or what you're failing to do. But what really matters is what God thinks of you. This is all important because when you die, you will have to face him. You, can, you can't send your secretary or your mom or your dad or your spouse or your brother to stand up for you in your place. It is you who stand before God. And the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector shows a man, the Pharisee, who had a problem with his concept. It wasn't that he was necessarily over, overly concerned with what the world thought of him, though I'm sure he, would, he, would have, he probably would have been concerned. But it was the fact that he was approaching God on what he thought of himself. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Then he goes on and says, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. That's his tithe. And to me, it's kind of interesting that, that as, as I was preparing for this morning's sermon, I got to thinking about how often you and I get so used to dodging this guy as just the most pompous jerk in the world standing in front of the church with a special robe on, raising his hands to heaven. But if you and I think about it, is that the picture that Jesus necessarily is drawing for you and me? There are two points that come to my mind. First of all, look at what he is doing, this man. He is thanking God. Did did you all catch that in the text? We tend to seem to miss that. We jump to his pompousness. Because yeah, he's pretty conceited up there, isn't he? But he's thanking God that he's not a robber. He's thanking God that he's not an evildoer or an adulterer. And, and if he was thanking God that he wasn't like those other people in the world, then was he not, in fact, giving God the credit for his life? He's not completely being arrogant in taking all of the credit for himself. He is acknowledging that the life he is living is a gift of God. Think also about this. He is not, assuming he is being somewhat honest, he was not an adulterer. He was not a robber. He was not blatantly an evil person. He didn't overcharge people for taxes. He led a seemingly moral life. None of us wants ourselves or our kids to be well-known robbers or adulterers, do we? Do we? I wasn't quite sure, sorry. (laughs) There are evil things 
and, the, and these, these, or these are evil things, adulterers or robbers. Um, they are lifestyles that are not to be commended. And it's all too often happens that we as Christians use our sinfulness as a crutch or as an excuse for immoral behavior. Some people who are well-known in, in Christian communities, as we all know, all you have to do is once every few months is listen to the news and, and there's another prominent Christian who falls. He's either become a swindler or an adulterer um, and even worse by human standards as well as God's. And the sad thing is, is that they, they excuse their behavior under a rash of excuses ranging from their own weakness to the fact that it was even someone else's fault that they fell. They were simply forced into whatever it was. And then the other sad thing is that when we are so eager to show that we aren't Pharisees, that we love to show people how normal we are, even though this includes foul language, drunkenness, lewd jokes. But we say, well, at least we're not the Pharisee. This man's goal was to live a somewhat moral life. And he seems to have accomplished that, that in comparison with the many wicked people in this world. And there is something to be commended about that, as strange as it may seem. And that's what makes this man's approach to God so sinister, though, so deceptive, in fact, because he lives a more moral life, and because he also seems to give credit to God for his moral life, he then feels that he can approach God on the basis of his reputation, because he's still giving his credit to God. I see this idea more and more prominent throughout Christianity today, especially I see it in, in many of the Christian writers out there. It's called a theology of glory. And what it means is that we need God to work through us in order for us to fully receive the blessings of his grace and forgiveness. Let me repeat that. Theology of glory. It means that you and I need God to work through us in order for us to fully receive the blessings and the grace of forgiveness. And what this approach ends up doing is adding a little bit of your righteousness to Christ's righteousness. In God's eye, this is equivalent to putting a mustache on, you pick, pick the painting from Da Vinci or anyone else out there that are... That are Amazing things. Would you draw a mustache on the Mona Lisa? I don't think so. It completely ruins, ruins the work of art. And time after time, God's word says that this is the worst thing that you and I can do. You got a pencil. You might want to write this down. I'm going to read several verses to you. I can get to them. Okay, from, from Romans 11, verse 6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. 
Got that one? How about Romans 3, verse 28? In Romans 3, verse 28 says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. How about Galatians chapter 5, verse 4? And that says, You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. And if you just go back to, to Galatians 3, verses 10 and 11, they say, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Even if I try to rely on God, or you try to, to rely on God, on what God does through me or through you, and give credit to him for doing it, it still comes down to the very identical problem the Pharisee has. I am relying on my own righteousness. So even though I may not be a drunkard, even though I may not be a swindler or an adulterer, which is a good thing, it isn't going to do me a bit of good on judgment day. Even if you were an alcoholic and reformed your life or, or if you've been a faithful father or you've been a good churchgoer, it isn't going to make God somehow tip his hat to you. You can't fall into temptation of comparing yourself to other Christians, constantly looking down on other people, including other Christians, because they aren't as righteous as you or me. And why can't we do that? Because God is a holy God. It doesn't matter how you measure up to other people. It doesn't matter if you're better than they are. It only matters if you are holy. How then can you and I approach God? There's only one way, and it's solely by faith. When the tax collector approaches the temple, he says, have mercy on me. And the word mercy has, has a tons of different meaning. And, and, and here... Um, when we use the word mercy, I think it's kind of like a general text, a general word, because mercy means so much. The better text would be to say, say, that, say that he is propitiated, that God be, he be, be pro, I get that word out of my mouth, propitiated for me. That's a big word. We hear it throughout scripture a few different times. And the word simply means satisfied. And if we listen to that, and it, it gives what he's saying, I think, a little bit more of, of, of guts, powers. Because he's basically asking the Lord to make the payment for him, to satisfy his debt, to find some way of finding um, something to cover up his sins, to pay for what he has done. And that was the faith of the Old Testament, the ancient words we sang and his belief that God would send a Messiah to be the actual Lamb of God. With faith in that promise of God, he still found the courage, the tax collector, to go to the temple 
and ask God to make good on his promise of propitiation. And this is why you and I continue to focus on the message of the cross all throughout the year, not just on Good Friday or Easter or during Lent, but every day of our lives. We, like the tax collector, they be propitiated. Send him, Christ, to the cross. You and I are forced to look at the suffering and death of Christ and encourage it to happen because it's that suffering, it's that death that becomes our payment to God. God was fulfilling his promise. And as we hear Jesus again shouting out, it is finished, we will once again be assured that our payment has been made full, that God has been satisfied or propitiated. This is the evidence that God uses to prove your innocence, my innocence. This is where we find our confidence to stand before a holy God, because through the blood of Christ, you and I are wrapped into Jesus's holiness. With faith in in this sacrifice, we then stand before God, ready for his judgment. Now, you might think then that we would have this aura of arrogance about ourselves, that we would have made maybe maybe a, a Christian strut as we walk along. Look at me. You don't do that, do you? No, never. You see, the tax collector stood in the back. He stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we all confessed that we were sinners a little while ago. Did you confess it as a rote? Or were you beating your chest? Were you taking the same posture of the tax collector? Did you look at his actions and his words? He didn't feel worthy to even come near the throne of God. And so he stood at the distance in the back. And which of the two became justified? It wasn't the Pharisee, was it? He was confident of his lifestyle. But rather, it was the tax collector that Jesus tells us was justified. And why? Because the tax collector was simply coming to cling to God's mercy to his propitiation, to come. So Jesus said, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The most humbling thing you and I can do is to admit to God that we are sinners. Even as Christians, we are still sinners. It is only with that attitude that you and I will then feel that we need to cling to the full righteousness of Christ, to submit to the complete holiness of Christ. It is only with this attitude that God can fill you and me up. I know it seems that many people today are wanting to to leave legends about themselves and, you know, that's okay. You know, they're trying to, to live lives that will be impressive 
oppressive to the masses, wanting everyone to eulogize about how great they were or what they did there in their lives on earth. The tax collector had no chance of dying with a good reputation in his community. His reputation was already shot. Yet what really mattered to him was not what people thought of him, but what God thought of him. It didn't matter what the preacher said about him or his friends said about him, but that God would simply be merciful to him. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. When you and I die, it will not matter what other people think of us. I know that might be hard to take, but it is reality. It will not matter because it will only matter what God thinks of you and me. With that attitude of the tax collector that clings to the mercy of God, not to what I've done or what you have done, not to my righteousness or your righteousness. And then we will be justified as we cling to the mercy of God. God grant each one of you here, those who are listening, and me, the attitude, that same attitude of the tax collector throughout our lives because it is a true attitude of faith. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, forgive us for all the time that we have acted as Pharisees and give us a heart for you and that we might live our lives like the tax collector, relying on your mercy and on your faith, given to us freely. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise as we confess our faith together in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, Let us pray. Let us pray for all the children of God, members of his heavenly kingdom, and also for all others who, whose needs are known to the Lord.
that they may experience the certainty of his promises and blessings in their lives. Gracious Father, we are richly blessed to come unto Jesus as his gracious invitation and to be assured of our identity as your children and members of your eternal kingdom. Inspire in us a dedication to the priorities of your kingdom, O Lord, that we may dedicate ourselves to worshiping you and to making your love known to all the world. Lord, in your mercy. Loving Savior, many things in this world distract us from your word and draw us away from spending time in your presence. Renew us, dear Jesus, by the word that we have heard this day and by the supper we will soon receive. Remind us of your forgiveness for our trespasses and restoration for our brokenness, that with hearts and hands lifted to you, we rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is your will for your children. Lord, in your mercy. Your word instructs us, sovereign Lord, to lift before you our leaders and all those who serve in positions of authority among us. Grant your blessing to all who make, administer, and judge our nation's laws. Protect those who lay down their lives for their fellow citizens. Uplift those who are weary and downtrodden in their daily lives, that they may find joy in the roles they have in their families, communities, and congregations, knowing that their labor in the Lord is never in vain. Lord, in your mercy. Healing Savior, your ministry on earth included bringing heaven's touch to many who were afflicted with pain and suffering. Each of us has upon our hearts and minds people in need of healing mercies this day. And for these and for all others who are sick, hurting, and undergoing procedures, we ask for your special care and healing touch to be extended, especially those we lift to you quietly now. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands of mercy, faithful Father, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in him who invites us to experience the certainty of faith that belongs to members of his heavenly kingdom, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. With gratitude and thanksgiving, O Father, we offer to you our sacrifice of praise. In Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, we are welcomed into your eternal kingdom and given the inheritance that belongs to your children. With certainty in the promises of Jesus and his salvation, hear us now as we pray in his name as he has taught us. Our Father. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, 
which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take drink. This is the cup of the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please be seated.
Please rise. Let us pray. God the Father, who in love and mercy sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. Strengthen us in in the certainty of our Savior's work to save us, that we may live securely as children in your heavenly kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. As his children, receive your father's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. We sing, lift high the cross.
Amen. Please be seated. We have announcements this morning. If you would, okay, come on up. Have a seat. Whoever wants to go first, go first. short, but we are looking for two things. One is, last spring we had a women's Bible study about the 12 women in the Bible, and some people were not able to attend all of them, so we were passing around the DVD and the book thing afterwards, and it's gotten lost in the shuffle, and I don't know where it is. So if any of you ladies know where that DVD is, if you could just take it back to the church office so that I can put everything back together again. I'd really appreciate it. The other thing is, last week at the Harvest Festival, uh, we brought some hay hooks to move the hay. We got one of them back, but there's one still missing. So if anybody finds a hay hook (laughs) laying around, (laughs) please let us know, because we need it. (laughs) Okay, thank you. My name is Carrie Link. I'm part of the missions department, and we are are working on a mission right now of Operation Christmas Child, and we have a short video, two-minute video for you to watch before I continue my announcement. Let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Operation Christmas Child is a way for the little children to come to Almighty God. That is the best gift of all, is becoming part of God's family. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are being discipled. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. These children are brave and bold, not afraid, and they're not ashamed of the gospel. They're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, The Bible tells us the time is now. Let them come, Jesus said, let them come. And they're coming. They're coming by the millions. Every single box represents the life of a young boy, a young girl, who will be touched by the gospel. Jesus has come to give them light, that they do not need to be in the darkness that they have hope, that they have joy. And it is our prayer that this glorious light of the gospel will flow among the nations and will fill our land with the knowledge of the glory of God. The Lord God Almighty desires to fulfill His redemptive plan for mankind in and through each of us and all of us. All of us are children of God. We share this incredible opportunity to take the gospel truly to the ends of the earth by gathering children to Jesus. 
I believe this year for Operation Christmas Child, this may be the most important year, most important opportunity that we'll ever have to reach children in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray that God will use these shoebox gifts to make a difference in the children's life for eternity. That's a little overview of what our project is for the next four weeks, is to um, stuff those shoeboxes. Um, this is not a Trinity project. It's not a Samaritan's Purse project. It's a God project to spread the news to the needy, and we do it through the children, and it's all over the world. It happens 12 months out of the year, but we just collect this stuff between now and, and, and November, and then they ship it out all all. The next 12 months, they, they're shipping out all over the world. Um, so, and, they, and it goes beyond just the children. They take it to their families. There's two ways to fill a box. Um, these are the size boxes we use. Uh, you can grab a box. There's a label on the box. You choose boy or girl in the H, and you fill it up. There's instructions in the back with what to fill the box up with. what, And you can go online, Samaritan's Purse, and... It's just right there, Operation Christmas Child. Click on it, and it'll give you ideas. There's also something, do not, there's a list of do not put this in your box. Because the boxes are only touched to check to make sure there's, when they go to the center, there's nothing bad in them. They leave whatever you put in them. And important to pray over your box, put a picture or where we live here in the box, the children keep that because sometimes that's the only thing they have for the outside world. They, they keep that picture. Um, one thing we're adding this year is you, there's the label that I put on the box. Save this. And you can put your, anything you want on this. But we are clipping it onto the tree in the back. Oh, I didn't bring one that I clipped. I stapled this, and we're going to fill that Christmas tree with the boxes with these little extra labels that we have. So... It's easy. If you have any questions, talk to me or Joan uh, Walker, um, and that's that's all. Oh, Pastor has a demonstration though. Uh, one of the things that goes, what, what you can put in the box. We we bought a bunch of these. They're flashlights. How do they work, Pastor? I never tried because you taped them so well. But this is also good for the size of things. Because that is, a, oh wow, look at that. It works great. Yeah. Right, too. Oh, and we are going to have a, there, there's two ways to fill the box. You can fill the box. The other way is it's like, I can't do that. I can't finish filling the box. If you just want to buy some items and bring them, we're going to have a packing party and we're going to pack the boxes ourselves here. So if you don't uh, want to get involved in, doing a whole box, you can just do part of a box. I do it all year long. I watch for things. As most of you are aware, Donna Haggerty uh, manages our script program, and the monies that are earned through that script program go to our school. And so now... Today, most of you hopefully got a flyer she passed out. If you didn't, she'll be in the back and she'll get you one. 
but she's bringing another opportunity to our church itself, and that's Amazon Smiles. And what it does is as you shop, and I imagine many of us out there at times buy something from Amazon, you can select Trinity as the as donations coming back from your purchases, and it's up to 5% of the qualifying purchases that you buy from Amazon. So it's just another great opportunity for us to raise some additional funds for our church. So please, if you shop at Amazon, look at setting this up so that the church will receive some monies back. And thank you for Donna for research on this and putting this together and putting the flyers out. So again, if you didn't get one, she'll be in the back and she'll have more of them uh, to give to you. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Other announcements? All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Remember um, that it's not about the funeral. It's not about the funeral. Okay, funeral. Thursday is Joe, Joe Gaines' funeral, 10 o'clock, and there will be a lunch afterwards uh, for all those who wish to come. We haven't had a big funeral in our sanctuary for a while because of all the restrictions, but there are no restrictions. So uh, and uh, come and share with the family if you like. And most of you, or many of you here, uh, know Joe or remember Joe and probably have some of, some Joe stories that you might want to share with the family on that. So that's Thursday at 10 a.m. Um, in about 20 minutes, Bible study, Book of Romans, we're on the uh, 13th chapter, I think it is, or lesson 13, 10th chapter. We're there someplace, but we'll tell you where you are when you come there. And you can, whether you missed the first group, it doesn't matter because we'll bring you up to speed real quick um, and join us. But before that, there are some incredible treats in the uh, coffee room there. Get some coffee, tea, water, whatever else they have, and then enjoy some food, enjoy some fellowship. Um, if there's somebody out here that you don't know, you have never seen before, you've seen many times, but you've never said hello to, go say hello. Introduce yourself. And... Um, Maybe they'll introduce themselves back. And uh, um, again, as you leave here today, um, walk in Christ. Remember remember the tax collector? Uh, let God propitiate you. Let God make everything right for you. Give it all up to God because he's the one in control for you and me. And then share Christ in how you live, how you speak, and uh, when you're out there. There's a lot of lost souls. Let's go in peace and serve the Lord.